the nation's best are coming to Hamilton. The Marauders are proud to host the 2023 U Sports Men's Volleyball National Championship and will welcome the top men's volleyball teams in Canada to McMaster University. Eight teams, 11 games, and only one champion. Secure your spot now and be there to catch all of the action. Your seat awaits. Tickets are available at marauders.ca slash tickets. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Passing Dimes. Really excited for today's guest. Man, he's busy, and he's about to get busier. So today's guest grew up playing for the Ottawa Mavericks. He then attended the University of Alberta, where he's the defending national champion and is about to travel to Hamilton to play again. He's the Canada West Player of the Year, and he's already represented Volleyball Canada on the beach national team and the indoor national team. Please welcome to the show, Jordan Canham. Jordan, thanks for doing this, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for taking the time as we're recording this year. Now, a Canada West gold medalist and prepping for nationals. But before we get to all that cool stuff, uh, just for me and the listeners, let's tell your full story here. Because a guy who grew up in rural Ottawa, uh, I would like to know the name of your hometown and what other sports were you playing before you got into volleyball? So I'm from Avonmore, Ontario. It's like 20 minutes northwest of uh, yeah, Cornwall. And yeah, I played a bunch of sports growing up. Uh, I was hockey hockey for the longest time started when i was three and then played until i was about like 16. played some soccer competitively um yeah basically played all the high school sports my brother played club when 15 year and that was a little bit before i started playing volleyball so that kind of helped me lead me towards that and my dad like kind of strongly suggested i try it for this club team in cornwall called Cornwall Vikings. I was actually worried about not making the team. I remember asking my dad uh, and like telling him I wasn't sure I was going to make it. And that there was like 15 people at the tryout and it was like, not that many. And yeah, I wasn't super good or anything like that. And then I, in, in those practices, I was like, I remember doing like passing drills and oh my God, that was tough. <laughs> it was so bad, but um i remember watching like a queen's men's volleyball uh game and then that was kind of when i like really thought that i might want to do something with volleyball so i played for cornell vikings for two years and like we came last at the provincials both years basically so it wasn't a great time but i i enjoyed playing volleyball but didn't really have really winning record but that's okay Nice. Like when you say you were on skates at three, like obviously with a sibling and your, your parents pushing, like I imagine you were playing sports just in the backyard. It sounds like a pretty athletic family. Is that fair to say? Yeah. My dad had like a rink a couple of times for us in the backyard. And then um, like I grew up on a farm and uh, the field beside us would often like flood. And then I'd always like go skating out there and bring a, bring a net out and shoot around. Nice. So moving from Cornwall to the Mavericks, uh, what kind of sparked that decision? Was was there kind of a shrink in your club team and you had to relocate or you wanted to pursue it because you saw that Queens game and you wanted to play at a higher level? Because uh, in the winter, that can be a pretty unfriendly drive to go to practice two or three times a week, isn't it? Yeah. So my brother played club for Auto Mavericks. He did the, the Cornwall team wasn't um, created until like that was the first year for me and for like the club. And like Dave and Allison Haley ran that and forever grateful for them for doing that. But yeah, so I knew my brother did that and then my parents did the drive all the time. And I guess they were okay with that. <laughs> um, but then I did like a 
camp in Ottawa for like the club. And then they kind of told me I should try out, but I was also already interested in trying out. And that was like over the summertime. And then, so I tried out, made it, and then I played them for the next three years. Nice. So was it, uh, obviously you're watching post-secondary and you're kind of getting hooked that way, but uh, Mavericks just seem to have an established system where they are thinking about post-secondary. So what kind of sparked the goal that you could play at the next level? And when did you start either being approached by coaches or you started contacting coaches? So I I wasn't like super physical or anything in like 16U. I was, I think I was like 6'1". Um, and then I think my spike touch was like 10'3" which was at the start of the 16 year. And then, so I didn't really think, I wasn't like super good or anything like that. It was later where I started to get a little more physical because I think 17 year, I was like 10, 10 the start of the year. And then at the end of 17 year, that's when I hit like 11, six for like my spike touch. And then at the start of 17 year, I like remember emailing a bunch of coaches because I, I wanted to get my foot in the door and see if they'd be interested. And then they came to one of the first um, Ontario tournaments and they were interested. I remember emailing like Queens, U of T, McMaster, and then Queens and U of T were pretty interested from the start. Uh, So that's when I kind of knew I could end up playing somewhere. But I remember, I don't know if it was in 16 or start of 17 I I remember like Googling rosters because I didn't know if I'd be tall enough to play at the esports level <laughs> and, so, and just for the listeners yeah. like you're you're a legit six five now are you not like when did you have your growth spurt uh i think towards the end of 16 new and then 17 new is when i started the i think i grew even a little bit in 18 new, but yeah Man, that's so funny to hear your story of like, am I going to be good enough? Am I going to be big enough? And now you're winning like MVP at nationals last year, Canada West player of the year here. It's such a journey here. So uh, when did it become an option for you to leave the province? Like when did uh, either Brock or Terry kind of initiate that U of A offer? So another little funny story. I remember going to 17 U nationals in Saskatoon and then our flight was like delayed and or we didn't make the connection flight um, from Toronto to Saskatoon. So we had to fly to, a couple of us flew to Edmonton first and then to Saskatoon. And then I was sitting on the back of the plane and then um, this one guy was like talking to me about um, like Terry Danilock was at the front of the plane. And then like, I didn't know who he was at the time. <laughs> and he's like, oh my God, he, like this coach is like the best and, um, he coaches like one of the best like university teams and played Team Canada and all this. And I was like, oh, cool. And then I remember telling uh, Isaac Nesbitt, my middle that I played with uh, from 16 to 18 years, that my goal was to get recruited by U of A. But I had no intention of go- like going here or coming here. And then, yeah, he talked or Terry talked to my coach and I talked to him a little bit. And I still didn't really uh, think I was going to end up coming here. And then came on a recruiting trip um, at the end of the summer. And yeah, I thought that this would be the best opportunity for me to get to the next level. Was there, was there anyone else in the running now that it is revisionist history and obviously you're happy as a golden bear. Was there anyone else uh, that you can say on air here that you were strongly considering? I think Queens, like my brother went to Queens as well. And then, um, but yeah, that was my second choice. It was my first choice for the longest time until I came on the recruiting trip out here. 
Now, I'm trying to find the right timing for when you played uh, junior national team. Was that after your first year of university or was that after your 18-year year? After first year of university, so my 18-year year, we didn't go to nationals because the last couple of years, like in 16 and 17 year, we did like absolutely horrible at it. So we decided to go into this U.S. tournament, but it was a week after nationals. So we were training that whole week after nationals. Then that Wednesday, I like had a super bad ankle sprain. And um, so I wasn't out for like the junior team tryout. And but I was able to, I was fortunate enough to play with the youth team instead. Um, and then my, after my first year is when I um, got to try it. And I was fortunate enough to make it. Nice. So I know it changes from year to year sometimes. So do you remember, was yours an open tryout, an invite? Like, how did you hear about it? And what was the tryout like when you got there? It was an open tryout. Um, it was pretty competitive. It was like a couple of days long. And I, I had like, I didn't think I was going to make it. it was, I didn't have that much confidence. And uh, yeah, I remember finding out and I was just like ecstatic and I was so happy. But yeah. Now, does playing in the Canada West help that? Because I, I'm trying to find the roster here, and I'm pretty sure the other outsides would have been uh, Brody Holfer is similar in your age. Was Colton Liu one of the other guys? Maybe Jesse Elser. Uh, I think Matias maybe was setting. I don't think he was an outside hitter at that time. But it, was it just like looking around and it was basically like a bunch of Canada West guys and then you add maybe like a Xander and a couple other cats? Yeah, like I didn't really think much of it. And to be honest, like when I was looking at universities, I didn't really know how strong Canada West actually was compared to anyway and like i didn't i didn't know much about the whole esports situation but yeah literally everything just lined up perfectly for me to come out here it's been all great since that's so cool to hear so you you had no expectations like you just there was a tryout and like did did brock encourage you to attend or you knew you wanted to play for the national team but that was as far as like the the dream or the expectations went yeah like i knew i wanted to pursue that and hopefully make it but i didn't really think that i would do that yeah end up making it no way so did your expectations ever kind of switch on a little bit like as you progressed and got like more playing time at u of a or, or were a vc guy like did it ever step up like with you being mvp of nationals and player of the year like are you just soaking this in are you surprised every time it happens or are you a big goal guy that like you, you've now made it a, an achievement that you want to keep climbing and getting better so i i kind of just like everything happens but I remember, like, after my second year, obviously I played, like, most of the time. Because uh, Tariq left and played for Ryerson, so I got the starting spot. Um, yeah, obviously that year was pretty good, but statistically or anything like that, I wasn't, like, super. Um, and then COVID happened, and then last year, like, or between, was it after COVID? That's when I started playing beach with you. Yeah. Um, and then I kind of during was, COVID technically, I think like that one summer we still had to test and do all that stuff. So it was kind of the, the second summer of COVID where things were a little milder, I think. Yeah. My time frame is like completely off. <laughs> stuff, but, um, so I thought like after that summer, I was going to like continue playing beach. Um, from then on, um, I was planning on playing with like Mitch Newer um, last summer. And then that was the plan basically the whole year last year. And then after nationals, I was like, what? 
I didn't get like a first team all star. I didn't get a second team all star, like even with Can West or Esports. So, like, I had an okay season, but then Nationals when I kind of had a couple of great games and led me led to me getting the MVP. But after Nationals, when I decided I should probably email Ben Joe and see what he thinks and see if maybe like open the foot in the door that way. But yeah, up until then I had the all intentions to continue playing beach. Breaking my heart here, man. I, I still wish you well and want to be a big fan here, but you're breaking my heart here. But uh, I am curious because I am. I finally found the roster here when you broke in. Uh, usually U of A is pretty famous for having like a ton of vets, but I'm looking and it's like you're in a pretty young year and then Billy comes in when I think you're in your second year. Cam Kern is young. Uh, like who were some of the vets after Tariq left that kind of showed you the way? I guess George Holborn would have been around. And then uh, maybe you viewed maybe Elgert as like a vet, but who are some guys that kind of helped you settle in? Because uh, the core of your team now, like even Friesen, it looks like you guys were all first and second year and kind of grew up together, right? Yeah, so like Carter McIntyre, Jared Schubert, um, like not big names or anything like that, but they had a pretty big impact on me. There's many others that I'm not naming, but kind of forget them but, but yeah they kind of had a big impact on like me and the culture at U of A is like quite strong and like my first year when I came in I felt like super welcome and I really like that it's not I'm not really treated like a rookie you're kind of treated like a, a family member a brother and it's pretty cool to see um, that culture continue to evolve over the years and me being a vet now trying to instill those values into the rookies that just came in but yeah now, I know Brock doesn't really like to brag and really pump the tires, but when you walk into the U of A team room, like, is it pretty noticeable you guys are defending national champions or you've, you've had this player, you've sent this many players to the national team? Like, you being an Ottawa guy and not really knowing the Golden Bears history, is it pretty obvious once you get there that you're part of, like, a pretty dominant program for a lot of years? Yeah, like, the training environment's pretty competitive and intense, and um, basically every practice we have, like, I don't know how many coaches, like six or seven coaches that are always there trying to get feedback and trying to push the guys. It's it's pretty wild. It's not just like one set of eyes, two sets of eyes. It's it's a lot. Yeah, and the coaching staff's been together for a lot of years, right? Like some of the assistants are, are putting up a lot of years, right? Yeah, and then um, we have like masters uh, student coaches that come in too, and yeah, they're always contributing a lot. Nice. So just before we jump into the national championship stuff, I do want to touch on the COVID year because uh, training got interrupted a little bit, but I'm wondering what were you able to do in the gym as a right side? Were you hitting a lot of balls? Were you still allowed to go in and like pass some balls because you were still playing outside? Like, was that year important for your development? Because you got there and then your years really got interrupted, right? Yeah. So it was like the, my second year in nationals is when like COVID first hit. And then from then, to like the following year. That's when like the big COVID thing happened. And um, I'd say I'd say that year was like pretty impactful for me because I was able to lift like three or four times a week. I was pushing weights. I was trying to like get my movement down and stuff like that. I was, yeah, I was still able to lift most of the time. And I think that kind of set like the, my baseline and like continued through it then. I think it still has a pretty big impact in how I play now and how strong I am now. And then we were only shut down for, we were able to team train from, what was it, October till like end of November. And then December we got shut down um, until 
maybe February and then we were able to start training again. So I was still able to get touches a lot and continue to try to improve. And when the league was announced back, were you like switched on that it was going to be exciting you get to play again? Or was part of you thinking like, oh, we don't get to play UBC or Trinity or like some of these other schools? Like, were you happy because you got to battle? Uh, I guess Dinos would have been a really good rivalry to play a few times. And, and there are some good schools around you. But uh, what was your first instinct when that modified schedule got released? Honestly, dude, like it was kind of tough. But at the same time, like I just enjoyed playing volleyball and team aspects. So it wasn't that big of a deal. Uh, and Calgary was pretty solid, and then uh, Merritt Royal was very good too, and McEwen was decent, so it wasn't like we were just playing a bunch of nobodies. And then, yeah, I love your, your comment earlier that you didn't really like, like you think you got the call to the national team because you have a couple of good games at the end, but you were putting up solid numbers the, the whole season there, but uh, I'm curious when playoffs hit, uh, what was your expectations? Because there there was a few wrenches that you guys had to battle some adversity there, like freezing goes down. Uh, like I think Isaac stepped into that role. Uh, it looked like Cam Kern was willing to play whatever position you guys needed to when a couple injuries happened. Like he was playing left side at one point. So what was the mood going in where you guys all talk about like this is going to be the year we're going to win a national championship? Or are you guys honestly just focusing on the, the next opponent, the, the next weekend coming up? Well, at the start of the season, our goal is it's always – said that we want to win a King West title and then after that win a national title. So we don't want to put the national title before a King West title. Um, so yeah, we know that we're going to have to like put in all the work that we can to get there. And then Cam was just incredible with that. After freezing went down, Cam like the next, it was like this Saturday that he went down and on the Monday he started doing passing reps before practice and started putting in all that work. So he did what was necessary and he kind of, yeah, he's an all around great dude and culture guy. And uh, the vibe on the court was just incredible with um, the culture that year and the guys out there. And it was pretty cool. Now, I'm glad you mentioned Can West and you don't put it ahead of it. So, what are your memories from playing Trinity? last year in the Canada West final? Cause obviously like that's something you circle on your calendar. You already know you're going to nationals, but there's big expectations, but uh, I'm wondering, was there any hype around that Trinity team just because of like how dominant of a season they were having? And it's so easy to, to get into the scouting report and be like, Oh, they have this guy and they have this guy and they have this guy. Like what was the mood going into that can West final? Uh, well, we knew we had all the pieces, like obviously freezing going down doesn't help us, but we knew Cam would do the job um, that he needed to do, which was try to pass high threes, which he did well, and swing on some high balls occasionally, which he also did very well. Um, we knew like we had what it take what it takes to like take them down. Obviously, they played a little better and they got the win, but um, it was a pretty good game, and we knew we could play better. Um, so that's what we tried to focus on. Um, going to nationals. Now, was nationals pretty special for you that you got to play Queens to start? Like, was there any part of you, uh, I'm sure you've been all in with U of A since you got there, but was there any confirmation when you played Queens in a final and you guys like thumped them down pretty good? Obviously it felt good, but, um, we had a pretty good game and yeah. It felt good to beat them. Now, I, I am curious when you have like a so-so game by your standards, like you had single digit kills, 
how do you keep your mind clear that you can still get like four aces, seven digs, two blocks? Like it looked like they had studied you and game plan for you really well. Uh, obviously some other guys helped in the side outside, but you didn't really like pout or, or just fold up. Like you still contributed in other areas. So is that something that uh, you kind of pride yourself on that if you're not going to, you know, get those first ball side outs, you're going to find another way to, to lock in here. Yeah. So a big thing that Brock kind of, um, preaches and like talks to us about is like compartmentalization. It's a little awkward, but um, so if like obviously there's a story that each match has in each game, um, and like one thing might not be working that well. So if you like compartmentalize that into its own um, thing, then you can like focus on other aspects of your game to help improve the team and um, contribute to the guys around you. And yeah, that's like a big thing. Like, obviously, I'm not going to hit 600 all the time or <laughs> often. So got to contribute other ways in defense, serving, blocking, and just helping other guys on the court feel super confident. Now, set the scene for me for that semifinal. And the reason I want to bring that up is because you played Calgary. I think literally that was the eighth time that year. Uh, and you started off the year, you beat them two straight. And then the next time you play them, you split. And then the next time you play them, they take both. And obviously you guys regroup and beat them in the Canada West semi. But going into a national semi, like you still have to be a little bit nervous, even though you're so familiar with them, right? That like it's been a tug of war all year, it seemed. Yeah, Calgary is very solid with Tom and Hamish and Koopy and all of them. Um, and like, obviously, like, we have what it takes to beat them. They have what it takes to beat us. It's just who kind of shows up and plays their best. And um, I think we had a pretty good game, except for, I think it was the second or third set where it was like 25 12 or something like that <laughs> for them. They beat us. Um, but then we were able to kind of regroup and reset ourselves and came out with the win. I know this was a long time ago, but I'm wondering how did you personally reset? Like when we had Cam on the show, he mentioned he kind of just shrugged it off and he's like, I wasn't going to let a, a bad 15 minutes define our season. But I would kind of like, that's so nonchalant, but so confident at the same time. Like, did you kind of have the same mood? We were kind of like, oh, it happens. Now we just got to bounce back. Yeah, that's kind of what the whole little huddle was and Brock telling us, like, obviously that's in the past and just got to move forward. Wasn't our best play and try to reset ourselves to play our best now what is that feeling you win a semi uh you find out you're going to play trinity in the final what's your mood going into the the can or excuse me not the can west now the u sports final where you play trinity again excited to get back at them <laughs> it's basically <laughs> there was a little bit of a controversial call in the Canada west final um but yeah we had a little chip on our shoulder and wanted to take it to them now, was there much game plan difference, like what you wanted to do in the Can West final versus what you did in the final? Was it similar and you guys were just more confident in the plan or more able to execute? Or was there a lot of like tweaking you guys did uh, for that Trinity group the second time around? I'd say it was pretty similar. There was obviously like some changes that we needed to make to like, try to stop their offense because their offense was pretty crazy with like Schnitzer, Howe, Brody, Jesse. <laughs> so it was, it was pretty... Yeah, we decided to figure out ways to limit their scoring and yeah. Sweet, man. So to jump ahead to this year, everything's wide open again. Uh, obviously, the first team meeting, you're probably talking about that Can West Championship again, but does any part of you wander towards the top 10 rankings? Because I believe they honored you guys and you got to go in as one. And I'm not sure you gave it up the whole season. Like, do you guys pay attention to the U Sports top 10 at all? 
Uh, well, I see it every weekend, but or every week, but don't really care too much about it because it doesn't really mean it that much. I think. Now, was there any panic on you or any of the other guys in the room where you play SAS that first night and you guys actually drop one? Um, I, I think we needed that, honestly. We had like the week or two prior um, and training wasn't like super and we weren't really pushing ourselves that much and that kind of just gave us a little slap in the butt to get her going and yeah, figure things out. Were you aware of that in the time? Like, were, were guys talking about it? Or it was just kind of like, oh, it's preseason, let's get through this? Because you guys technically have, like, the same roster coming back for the most part, right? So what was any part of you like, oh, let's just do it again? Or, like, why do you feel like guys weren't locked in right off the bat? I think, yeah, like, our preseason, we played pretty well and, like, beat most teams that we played. I think every team we played. Um, so that might have been part of the reason. But one big thing that we had going into this year was to be like underdogs. We don't want to be considered that we're like defending national champions. We wanted to like push ourselves and push the opponents and kind of uh, make the opponents feel us versus them trying to, I don't know, I don't know what the best way to put that is, but, um, but yeah, keep pushing and make them really feel like we're going after them versus uh, being content with, being like defending national champions how do you how do you connect to that without it being too fluffy like it's one thing to think you're an underdog but literally defending national champion uh other than elgert i think most of the starters are returning like the coaching staff's returning you're still big bad u of a how do you guys convince yourself you're the underdogs i I think it's like a training mindset and like approach to games mindset like um we don't want to be super cocky we don't want to be that kind of team we just want to try to focus on ourselves and make sure that each time we step on the court we're playing our best or like when we're practicing trying to yeah, not be content with playing poorly or yeah now brock gets a ton of credit and it's all deserved about being like a fantastic setting coach but i'm curious when you say the training attitude and you're building this mindset like just comment him on on being like just a general head coach and just a really good like technical tactical guy because obviously like i said he's like the setting wizard but he's also a heck of a volleyball coach so just talk talk to me about how you know he builds the season out he gets you guys to buy into a goal like what else is he so good at that he's probably just as good at setting we just don't talk about it enough yeah i I think like Brock's learned a lot from Terry, especially Terry's a awesome coach and everything he tells you is basically gold. <laughs> um, and I, I think like a big thing Brock puts a lot of effort in is like the team culture and the culture that he's kind of created has led to like this kind of uh, performance and things like that. Um, he cares a lot about the people. It's not all about the performances and stats and things like that. Um, and I think that's what kind of leads to such a successful program. Now for you to go through this Canada West schedule and obviously teams are game planning for you and you guys start rolling, like, how do you like to prepare night to night? Cause it's not unusual for you to get like 16 kills the first night and still get 17 kills the second night. And obviously the coaches went back to the hotel room and they're watching video and they're trying to make some adjustments that they didn't see coming. So how do you feel like you're staying one step ahead and, and constantly like, being game plan for, but still being able to execute against some of these teams. Uh, I just kind of mainly focus on like how I play versus how the other teams try to like stop me. Like 
if I am playing my best, then it'll be obviously hard for them to stop me if I'm preparing well through like practices and um, like surpasses and things like that, then it'll hopefully be challenging for them to uh, do much. But obviously I'm going to have like bad games. I'm going to not do well, in, like attack or serve or things like that. And just try to figure out ways how I can limit those bad performances and make impacts elsewhere. Um, and li limit the occurrences of those is, basically the best thing for me to try to do. Because, um, yeah, I'm obviously going to have some bad games and just trying to limit those. Now, did you take any experience from being around the national team guys this summer and adding that? Because, like, again, I don't want to downplay, like, you're, you're you sports MVP, but you, when you get the call to go to the national team and you're around, like, other pros or guys who have done it at a little bit higher level, did you take any of that experience back to U sports this year? Like, all the national team guys are pretty, like, high class and, like, they're always... Um, like trying to be their best. Um, it's kind of humbling because like some of the best guys that I always look up to, like they have tough games, tough days too. And it just kind of makes it more, it doesn't make me feel as bad because there are some days like after I don't play that well, I'm pretty hard on myself and um, just trying to let that go and try to learn, learn and move forward. Yeah, that's so cool, man. So uh, as this year progressed, like I think you've always been a fantastic server, but man, some of these numbers are just ridiculous where uh, a couple matches where you've had six aces, uh, it seems like it's an off night if you don't get two, if not three. So how, how are you dialing in your serve? Like at this point in your fifth year, I, I mean, it gets a little tedious sometimes going through like serve and pass every time or, or being dialed in for practice. Or is this just a skill that you value so much that even if you're doing serve and pass on, I don't know, a Saturday morning before you play the double header, like, are you still locking in your serve and getting those reps in? Honestly, my serve this year has been like an absolute roller coaster. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, like over the national team, I kind of did like a, like short to like medium toss fight. It was kind of like a running toss, but then like at the BB this year, I don't know why, I just started doing like a higher toss and it started clicking. Um, so like my feel on serve was pretty, it felt super good in like preseason and like the first couple uh, regular season games. And I had like this little back injury and then I had, like, had to like start floating a little bit. And then after like a week or two, I started spinning again. And then my feel on like spin serve was just like completely out of whack. And that was around November. And then I'd say that like that feel on serve was like gone until two weeks ago or something. And then I started to like really start to feel it. I started like overthinking everything and I was trying to like change technique and stuff like that. But then I don't know, something like clicked. And then a couple of weeks ago, I started to really um, start to get the feel again. And, yeah. That's wild. So when, you, when you say feel, like, is it honestly your contact on the ball, or it could be something as simple as like you're even overthinking like the toss and when you take your first step? Like, there's so many details that go into it. Like, did you overthink every possible layer of this? So, toss, first step, uh, contact on the ball, uh, um, where I'm serving from. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Basically, everything. So obviously you're tweaking that in the practice gym, but when like coaches are burning timeouts against you, does your mind wander to there? They're like, oh, I got to keep my toss in front or I got to do it again because you're going on these serving runs like almost every time you go back to the line. Like how do you not let your mind wander in timeouts or when you're going on like second, third, fourth serve? So like one, 
when I had like the feel for the serve, it's kind of, I kind of just like don't think about anything. I just try to let it happen. Um, but then like when I was struggling, then I had like some cues that kind of helped me. Um, and then recently at times I have like cues to about like toss height and um, lead, but then sometimes I just have like the feel for it where it's like, I'm just gonna go back and rip a bomb. Yeah, when you're in that rip it mode, uh, we had Nick Hogue on the show and I think it's hilarious that like, do you know where the ball's going? Be honest, like there's sometimes where he's just like, I'm hitting my best serve and if it goes in, that's awesome. Or there's times where he feels like if he can take a little off, he can like pick a seam or move this guy left or whatever. But th- there are times, honestly, where you're just trying to like hit your best serve in bounds, aren't there? Yeah, I'm just tossing the ball as far into the court as I can and <laughs> hit it as hard as I can. So yeah, most often I'm not really aiming too much, but sometimes I don't know, it works well. <laughs> Have you earned the trust from the coaching staff where they're like, okay, we have this game plan and we want to serve this zone, but when Jordan's back there, like just green light, man. Like how many guys have like the green light on your team versus like a tactical location? I'd say like our spin servers are mostly just green light, hit your best serve. And then um, like great and weep serve is actually like insane. Um, he has like a hybrid float thing. So he tosses the float and then he hits like a deadly flat float out of it. He can head it short if he wants, and then he has a luck away down the line, or he has the reverse hybrid, which, like, this weekend he hit a 100-kilometer-hour reverse hybrid. <laughs> he was dialed this weekend. I'm trying to picture how that even landed in bounce, but... <laughs> yeah, and it has, like, cut to it, too, so it's not, like, a pure spin. So, are you guys still using the speed gun in practice, or are guys, like, kind of freelancing a little bit that they want to work on their serve? Because, uh, obviously, U of A guys, I think there's been some pretty famous spin servers come through, but even Elgert had a nasty float, or guys coming through with a hybrid. Like, once you pick your serve, like, how much stats or data are going into it, even in the practice environment? It's actually crazy. So, we have, like, a coach that, uh, um, so, Benny, um, Benny kind of, like, created this little spreadsheet thing, and uh, serving thing uh, and each practice he has like a full whiteboard and then we have like um, initials for every guy and then like serve targets and then he writes down every single like serve speed and then if it's like a make or mess is like a certain color um, and then we have like this little competition that we do all the time where if you get like four serves in, in a row, then we get to move like onto the final at the end of practice. Then you're competing against other guys who serve four in a row. So it's like a little competition thing of trying to serve your best and hit your certain velocity. That is so cool. And I'm so glad that like the coaching staff gets to own a project like that. Did you play when Craig was a coach there? Because I think he was a big speed gun guy too, right? Yeah. Yeah, he was there a lot too. And I, Vinny was like a big spreadsheet one but i don't know if he created the whiteboard thing that we do now wild and it must be nice to have that many coaches around that one guy's in charge of the whiteboard of practice <laughs> yeah and then we have like a new like student coach who's uh batu who's doing all that now with like we have like crazy spreadsheets that he does like after every practice and like average serve speed for practices versus games and it's pretty wild that that is insane. So if you don't mind me asking, like, what is your window right now when you're really cracking your spin serve? I had like this first semester. I had this like crazy stat where if I hit like over one ten, um, I made my serve more often as if I if I hit under one hundred nine. Like, 
So if I hit this, the ball between 100 and 109, I was less effective than hitting 110 plus. Like I didn't put the serve in as much, but then if I were to roll the ball, I was more effective than the 100 to 109. Wow, that is the power of having this many stats of practice. So in your mind, was that freeing, thinking that you got to go for 110 every time or that you could be comfortable if you had to roll one, you could be effective? So you like, the 110 really comes from if I have like a good toss, like I'm going to hit the ball pretty hard. Um, so like the 100 to 109, that's when like my toss is a little off. So that, that's kind of a factor that you kind of have to think about. That's so cool. So when you're actually like quieted your mind and you're pretty calm and confident, you're making a decision on the toss. You're thinking like good toss, hit it hard, bad toss, hit it in. Basically, yeah. Like there, there are some times where my toss is a little off, but I can probably still get a good serve out of it. Uh, but then like, I think my, my role has, I think I've gotten like half the aces in rolls versus, and then half the aces in like bombs. So it's kind of, I have to like, I include those sometimes too. Man, that's so cool to hear about. So, um, as this season progressed, um, I am curious just how, how it unloaded here. Like you draw Manitoba and obviously like a tough, uh, quarterfinal. I kind of like the, the series idea uh, of the two out of three in quarterfinals. Did that add like a different spin? Cause obviously you're going to nationals at a younger age group that gets broken up. You come back, the COVID year is different. Now you're like, Oh, I, I remember this now. This was three years ago or four years ago. We got to play a series now. Like what was the mood when that schedule was announced? Uh, well, I was very happy that it was back to this. Um, cause like my first and second year, that's what we did as well. It was like the last year that was kind of combined, but it was actually kind of nice because of the divisions and the different like little conferences within Can West. Um, so yeah, I was pretty happy that it got back to that cause then it kind of like shows you who's really, um, like the better team. It's not just like a one-off game. Um, but I do like the one game kind of stuff too where it's just like do or die for nationals so i think that's pretty cool um and then yeah playing manitoba we like won the first night pretty easily and then second night we knew they were gonna start to push and after the it's kind of funny after the first night reese dixon uh told the story he's helping coach uh with us a little bit he told the story about how in brandon was it cores or semis? So they swept the first night and then second night they're up 2-0 and they were up in like the twenties and then they ended up losing that set and lost the series. And then, he, so he told that story, it was like, you can't be content. You gotta just make sure that you're always um, playing your best and driving. Um, so yeah, that was kind of running through my mind after the second, or, during the second game because we won the first two and then um, we went to five and but we got the win so yeah <laughs> that's sorry didn't go that's so wild to think about it and a good reminder for focus there and then you, you get Sask in the semi I know it was at the start of the season when you played them but did you guys know you were in for one because that was a team who obviously like took you down at the start of the year yeah like Sask is such a good team and um, they have some big bangers and they're pretty good blockers too so um, we knew we'd be in for a little battle. Um, the second night, it's kind of funny. They, they chose side on us. So they took our home side and that kind of just like rattled us. But 
they probably shouldn't have done that because we played like out of our minds. <laughs> so I, I debated that when we were going to play as a certain team and the amount of old school coaches who told me, don't do it. It's disrespectful. This is indoor. This isn't beach. So you're saying they did it and you guys kind of did like a double take and then you're like now fired up because that's like, it's just an uncommon thing to see. Right. Yeah. We got a little pissed off and, uh, yeah, I think we played much better because of it. I was going to ask. Teams it might work well, like depending. Um, but yeah, don't do it on us ever again. <laughs> Uh, unreal because that night uh yeah your stat line the stat line the first night was incredible 17 4 on 30 but the, the second night 15 1 air on 25 six aces uh four digs for 21 and a half points were you kind of switched on about the side change thing like did you want to play with a little bit of anger there or did you just have like a free night that like nothing could go wrong uh, i was i was a little pissed off and i think that helped a little bit <laughs> <laughs> amazing and with you uh being a right side in the Canada West, when you're game planning against these guys, like, is it specific that you're typically going to be, uh, like matched up with like a Dylan Mortensen or some other like top outsides here? Like, uh, I know we've talked about like your ability to side out and serve here, but like on the defensive side, do you take on a pretty big responsibility? Because there's probably going to be times you're alone, right? Just with the speed of the offense that being the right side blocker, you're going to have to take on a guy one-on-one sometimes. Yeah. Like we game plan, our game plans are pretty extensive and, um, Brock does a pretty well, all the coaching staff contributes, but um, yeah, they do a pretty good job and we kind of know what our roles need to be. Um, like, obviously, we need to focus on our own side first, but there are, there's lots of things that we can do to limit how well they, the other team does. Um, but yeah, obviously, there's going to be times where I'm going to try to uh, be one on one, and there's a lot of tactical stuff that I try to think about during the game um, to try to get ahead, but yeah without sharing too much um because I, I know you're going into a national championship like obviously we have so much data we have shot charts on everybody you want to take away their primary but uh, are you saying there are tactical times where you might show something or take away because obviously you're a very good blocker on the beach as well so you probably you know hopefully transferred some of that cool stuff but you can't do the same thing against these hitters in the can west as uh, basically what i'm trying to say is that you have to show and take and do different things so is that something you like to keep track of or maybe a coach is helping out in game where like hey we've been giving them a lot of line now let's take it away or do you have the green light to make those tactical adjustments too uh we always kind of have the green light if we like read something to act on that read um but yeah blocking um if i like read something pretty well then i'll try to do it but then obviously it doesn't always work out um but yeah now, you get Trinity in the final, and I don't know, I, I think it would be too many games to play a 2 out of 3, 2 out of 3, and 2 out of 3, but it just seems like a little anticlimactic to play one off in the final, but it is still very meaningful. Uh, obviously, Trinity had a little bit of a shuffle that Benjo's not there, and they lose an absolute unicorn in Jackson Howe, so it's a little bit different team than who you played against, but is the mood the same, that like U of A, just, U of a excuse me, just doesn't like playing Trinity, and you guys always fire up for these games? Yeah, and like the crowd... Um... I guess it was on Friday. It was like, that was the craziest I've ever seen Sal. Even like basketball nationals last year, uh, it wasn't even this busy. And the basketball team, all like the men's basketball team all came out and they're all like getting into Trinity's ear. And because the banners were like right at the back line, the baseline, and like all their servers were there and they were just yelling and screaming at them. So it was, it was a pretty cool atmosphere to play. 
obviously every time we play Trinity, there's a little bit of a rivalry. So, um, yeah. Now I did see a post on Instagram that it was actually a sellout. I I know you guys get a pretty decent crowd every match you play, and it probably increases as the season goes. But are you saying it felt even different because it was literally like a sellout and it was like all full, basically, like it was all supporters? I imagine there was some Trinity fans that made the trip, but it was probably like ninety percent you guys, right? It was probably like ninety-seven percent us. Oh gosh! But yeah, it was a complete sellout, and like all the seats were taken, and then like up on the track, there was people watching. It was like absolutely full and yeah i've never seen it that busy and um the our university did like this little promo where if you like brought your own drum you got like a gift card to a restaurant on campus no way i kind of helped out and uh, yeah they advertised it super well so it was like completely packed people were turned away um yeah it was, it was so cool especially it being my last game at saddle yeah, I can't imagine having to turn people away for a volleyball game in Canada. That's so cool that that happened. Hopefully, you know, they can find a way to fit these people in next time. But uh, so now, goal achieved. You win a Canada West Championship. Has there been a team meeting? When does the talk start for nationals? As we're recording this a few days after you won the Canada West Championship, like, how do you switch goals so quickly that now it's on to the next thing? So what we said after the game was you have until 12 to wear your best of the West, Can West hat now. And then like the trophy was getting put away when Brock left the gym. And so right at 12 midnight, that's when we started our focus shifted towards the nationals. Wow. And it's one thing to say that, but you guys literally had like a physical action attached to it. That's, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So as you're preparing here, obviously there's a little bit of travel involved. Like how do you plan for such a short notice? Like obviously the rankings are out now. So I'm so sure as we're recording this, the coaches are game planning and stuff, but it feels like a pretty short turnaround uh, in your experience. Cause you've played in nationals so often, how do the coaches kind of boil down the information? So you guys aren't overwhelmed with the details and can still play free, even though it's, it's going to be somebody you've never seen before in the quarterfinals here. Well, we try to keep all the days like, pretty consistent in all of our game preps. Like we always have video that'll last like 45 minutes to an hour on the other team and then maybe some extra stuff after that. But um, we'll have like a practice on Wednesday. We'll have a practice on Thursday and then uh, we're the one o'clock game on Friday. So it's a, it'll be an early one, but uh, I think it'll be still be good. Our server pass time is pretty early in the morning. So we'll probably do that, but yeah, the coaches will, probably not sleep very much uh when the tournaments get started doing video prep and things like that i would say no love for the one seat but that's just me stirring the pot where i think you're on the other side of the bracket at mcmaster that's probably why they get the the primetime game and their kind of buddy their semi-final would be the other late match is that kind of what's what's happening yeah i think we're one and then uh sugarbrook windsor they're like three and then Sask or yeah, Sask Mac is like the six o'clock game, something like that. And then the last game, Trinity, uh, Montreal, I think, right? Yeah, they're at eight, I think. Nice. Okay, so yeah, it's not a disrespect thing to the one seed. It's basically how the schedule laid out. But uh, I'll stir the pot and say, you know, they're not respecting you guys. Maybe somebody will be brave enough to take side on you guys in a gym you've never played in and see if you fire up there. But um, <laughs> I. I I do have to ask, I, I know Ottawa is not super close to Hamilton, but is this a chance for you to play in front of family and friends? Yeah, uh, my, family, my family is very supportive of me and 
play volleyball and so they come out all the time to watch you play and um, they'll be out for sure um, faster and then some aunts and uncles will be able to come watch fortunately too. Now I liked how you mentioned earlier that there wasn't like a big hierarchy of talking about like oh you're a rookie or you're a first year but is there ever any talk about uh, this is it for you and, and the other guys graduating like uh, Cam and I think Landon's graduating as well like is there talk of the senior stuff or do you guys save that for the very end? So we, like our senior night was kind of a little part where they addressed it um, and then like amongst the seniors we kind of have these little conversations like oh this this will be our last Thursday practice at Savile. This will be our last Wednesday practice at Savile. Um, and obviously, Can West final, it would be our last game at Savile. So there's always that amongst the seniors, but nothing super formal. Now, with Nationals being a little bit of a different animal in terms of like, I, I like how you mentioned you do your routine, you lead up like practices and video feel the same, but with three games and three nights, how does the squad address that? Like, is that maybe something you re- rehearse a little bit in preseason or is that something you talk about early or is there no way to prepare for this schedule because you guys are so used to playing those back-to-backs? Um, yeah, there's not really much of a way. Like, we'll play two games every weekend and this was like, this past weekend was just a one gamer, so wasn't too bad in the body. Um, but yeah, hopefully we'll just be physically ready enough to survive the the grind of hopefully all three games. So now. I am curious how you're going to personally prepare because I, you play U of T in the quarterfinals and then you play Sherbrooke, a team you've seen, but not that often, or Windsor in the semi. So uh, again, just with how you like to prepare for games, it's somebody you haven't really seen a lot. You're only going to see on video. So how do you match what you're seeing on video and the game plan to the physical side? Because there's a little bit more unknown this year than say, you know, you face somebody in the quarterfinals, but then you get a Canada West team like Calgary and then a Canada West team like Trinity. Like, is there anything extra you have to do for that unknown? Because you just haven't been across the net from these guys? Well, we'll do lots of video and like our coaches watch, I don't know, like four games to figure out, four or more games on them to figure out what their tendencies are. So it's, it's not like it's a small little, uh, of information it's a lot um and then like for like setting tells and things like that we, we kind of look and like warm up if we can we try to steal as much information as we can and like serve pass uh before the game or things like that um to try to get that actual visual look at it um so that's kind of what we do nice and do the coaches instill that at, right from like a first year that like hey it's their hitting warm-up but instead of taking a water and staring off in the crowd or listening to music like you're watching them like you're looking for details at times like if there's certain things we want to look for we look for it but um like if we've seen the team before and things like that then it's not like um you really have to look at it but if you can steal little bits of information that can help then do it <laughs> For sure, for sure. And I know you're not looking ahead, but just for me and the listeners uh, getting excited for this upcoming summer, have you had any, any communication with either Julian or the new coach, uh, Tumas, about going back to VC? Do you try out again? Like, what would the summer plan look like? I'm not entirely sure yet. Um, I emailed, like, Dan Lewis to let him know that I was interested in playing for the national team this summer, and that was kind of, like, the only step. And 
I think sometime after nationals, we'll find out what the process will look like, but try not to look too far in advance with that kind of stuff. For sure. Like, do you remember last year? I think you may have been on the bus when you got invited. Like, obviously, I think Benjo did a good job with being familiar with the U-Sport system. Uh, I think they waited till nationals to be over to send the invites just so there was no distraction, right? Uh, Yeah. So, like, I remember Landon got invited, Max got invited, but I didn't send Ben the message. Like, he thought I was probably still playing features, uh, something like that. Um, Because I remember, like, sitting where I am right now, emailing Ben. So I wasn't on the bus or uh, it was, like, after Nationals that I did that. Wow. Wow. And you end up going on the VNL roster, which is just an awesome short term. You must have had a great uh, training camp then. Yeah, it it was a good time. Um, I, I trained with the Next Gen team basically the whole summer and was fortunate enough to go to Mexico and also play in Gatineau. Uh, yeah. Sweet, man. Well, I've taken enough of your time. I know you a big weekend and you're preparing for another big weekend. But one thing we've made a tradition here on the show is just to tell a, a funny or unique story. So you're a U-Sports defending champion. Uh, you're an MVP. You're player of the year this year. But uh, something unique or funny must have happened along the way at least once. So I was hoping you could share a funny story before we let you go. Well, there's lots of things I probably can't say. So I'll stick to <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'd say like post-nationals last year so. Our travel to get to nationals was um, we bus to Saskatoon, which is like five hours. Then we flew from Saskatoon to Winnipeg. Um, but then on the way back, we didn't have a flight. We only had the, the bus. So then we woke up at like five in the morning. So most guys didn't sleep or <laughs> slept like an hour. Um, and then I remember like walking on the bus and then the the Tantamar trophies in one of the seats all buckled up and then there was like a case of beer right beside it. Um, and yeah, that bus ride was pretty rough. Half the team made a couple of trips to the bathroom, but we all survived and made it back after like 15 hours. Oh my God. I imagine, thankfully you won. Cause I imagine if you lost, that would have been a way different experience getting on a 15 hour bus ride. But even just after the game and obviously you celebrate with your guys at any point as it gets closer, are you just dreading it? Cause 15 hours on a bus can't be fun. You're going to be eating like to go food, junk food. Like what, what was your, you're probably sore from playing three games, three years. Like, were you just dreading it or because you guys won, you got to spend more time with your teammates. Were you like actually enjoying the moment or does it sound as bad as like you're describing it here? I'd say like part of it was pretty bad cause no one was really feeling too hot. <laughs> But then it was pretty cool. So we watched like Step Brothers on the TV together, like towards the end, and then um, we re- replayed the the game um, for like the last two hours. So we got to just watch it again. That's a pretty cool idea. Do you remember who gets credit for that? Probably one of the coaches that got the the game film and threw it on. Yeah, I think uh, Doc Dale Johns. Yeah, that must have been cool, especially for the seniors and, and those guys to kind of rewatch it with you guys. And I, I mean, you made the, the best of a bad situation, it sounds like. Yeah, it was it was much better after winning. I think it'd be pretty, <laughs> I would have dreaded it way more if we weren't able to win. For sure. Well, thanks again for, for sharing the, all that you did tonight and taking the time and obviously a big weekend left. So thanks for joining us and, and making the time. Yeah, thanks for having me. Appreciate it.